Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A blazing fire under the body of the nitro-powered Toyota Camry of Alexis DeJuria, and this is as bad a fire as you're ever going to see. On this episode, it's Gainesville Funny Car winner J.R. Todd and Top Fuel Crew Chief Ron Douglas. Eric Anders is your 2020 Pro Stock World Champion in stunning fashion. Two big winners from an epic race in Florida. Scotty's out on Andrew at 1,000 feet. It's Scotty Polachek for the first time in his career. This is the NHRA Insider. Tony Schumacher. Wow, what an appropriate way to end this one. 28 10,000s at the strike. An instant classic final round. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the NHRA Insider. After a couple weeks away from the microphone of the show, we are back with a new episode following an epic Emily Oil NHRA Gator Nationals. Uh, was a couple of weeks break because I was down in Florida for a couple of weeks. I called the uh, NHRA, the, the, the divisional race, if you will, the regional race, the baby Gator, so to speak, with Alan Reinhardt. Stayed for testing and then, of course, was on our Fox Broadcast Network production and FS1 qualifying shows for the Emily Oil Gator Nationals edition 52 uh it lived up to the hype it was an incredible weekend it was uh in some ways it felt like a rebirth to, to some degree it felt like um a very real event if you will down there in Gainesville the place was teeming with spectators we had lots of cars in every category the racing itself was unbelievable from upsets of course Josh Hart huge story and that's why we're going to have Ron Douglas on today to talk about the uh, the other side of that story we had Josh on a few weeks ago talked about his aspirations as a driver and we know Ron Douglas is one of the most solid the most reputable crew chiefs out there for the work that he has done over the years with Bob Vandergriff Racing and other teams and I want to hear Ron's perspective not only on the day but also kind of on this uh, kind of whole coming together with Josh Hart uh, and obviously it has been highly successful. Their approach on Sunday at the Gator Nationals was beyond reproach, and um, they had to go through some of the toughest competitors on the planet Earth to get there, to get the win. So uh, going to be great to talk to him. J.R. Todd will be our first guest. He picked up the Funny Car win at Gainesville, and um, it was a great thing to see that team bust through because last year they had a couple final round appearances. They did not win any races in 2020. So to come out swinging out of the gate in 2021 is amazing. And it keeps a uh, kind of a wild streak for Coletta Motorsports or Coletta Racing Alive in the fact that um, from the success Doug has had and now JR has had early on in the season, they have gone multiple years now putting a car in the winner's circle. They almost doubled up. It was Sean Langdon and JR in the final, Langdon in Top Fuel, of course, and JR in the final of Nitro Funny Car. And for the 16th time, they tried and they didn't quite get it done in terms of a double up for Coletta Motorsports. But we will see that happen eventually, inevitably. And uh, Connie will likely be sitting right there trackside to watch it. So we're going to begin, before we get into speaking with our guests on this show, I think the first place to begin is with the regional race that was held the week before the Gator Nationals, uh, affectionately known as the Baby Gators, but there was nothing baby about it. I mean, this was uh, 500 and I believe 27 cars on the property, great crop of alcohol cars along with, I mean, scads, I think we had 107 or 108 stock eliminator cars, um, 100 cars, I think, in close to almost the, the majority of categories we were contesting over the weekend. Comp Eliminator had close to 30. Um, it was it was really spectacular. I'd never been to that particular event. I'd been, I've been to plenty of regional or divisional level events um, in my career as an announcer, but that one was uh, a new one on me, and it was very well executed by Cody Savage and his Division II staff. They worked very hard. We had some long days because the weather came in. Uh, especially on Saturday, kind of washed us out. But um, 
uh, highly successful and very fun and um, it was a I would say a harbinger of things to come but when we moved into the transitional period between the two races we had the professional testing going on on Tuesday and Wednesday and that was very fun to watch it was uh, again not the first test session I've ever attended but it certainly was the first test session I've ever attended at the racetrack with on which we would be racing that weekend uh, typically that's not allowed that's not something that uh, falls under the NHRA purview of rules but this being the first race of the year uh, situations and and uh, things being as they are they NHRA stepped up and worked with pro and decided hey this um, this seems like something that would benefit everybody and clearly it did I think the qualifying and racing benefited from the knowledge that teams got from running down the racetrack and a lot of teams didn't make that many runs you know a lot of teams did the bulk of their running down at palm beach international raceway they made their test hits in the the previous week when we were running the baby gators they were running the wheels off their funny cars and dragsters so we did not see teams most teams make a ton of runs but certainly coletta motorsports being one that was active sean langdon was testing both his top fuel car and doug coletta's and made eight runs in one day um, it was wild. They kept turning the cars around. He would make a hit, jump on a scooter, come back to the starting line, strap in the second car. It really was something to see, and um, and it, it, it certainly did appear to benefit him in certain ways. Um, you know, Sean's obviously one of the premier top field drivers out there, uh, one of the premier top field drivers in the last 20 years, so it isn't like uh, he was needing a total tune-up in his ability, but he was absolutely on point when it came to race day, having made, uh, by that point, if we add his Palm Beach runs together with all the runs he made at Gainesville and then the qualifying runs this guy probably made 20 hits plus by the time the first round the first round came up on Sunday morning so great to see some new faces as well uh you know it's one of those things where we kind of have a at least at this race a class of 2021 which will continue to grow uh when we go to Las Vegas for our next race you're going to see guys like Jason Rupert making their first professional starter attempting to qualify in a nitro funny car jason a very accomplished alcohol and nostalgia funny car racer has made the jump and will run some west coast races here in 2021 uh overall i would say that this was one of the most entertaining nhra national events i've ever attended or broadcast for a multitude of reasons and a lot of those reasons boil down to the people that were involved in the race krista baldwin attempting to make her first top fuel start mike booker attempting to make his first top fuel start we saw rookies in pro stock eliminator we saw rookies in pro stock motorcycle we saw you know people running like the dickens in the uh, in the alcohol categories we saw jasmine salinas suffer an incredibly scary top alcohol dragster accident that saw her car quite literally fly off the racetrack at the top end and she was able to walk away she obviously went to the hospital to be observed and she came back and she was able to uh, be with her family for the rest of the weekend that same afternoon we also saw an incredible two-car pro-modified crash um, with Dustin Isloni on one on one part of it and Brandon Pez and the other kind of getting into each other at the top end. Again, the drivers walked away. So this really was an event that had pretty much every element you can imagine a drag race having, with rookies having their first starts, with veterans having success, with you know the fans finally being able to come back in mass and and join us in the in the stands and in the pits. Obviously, there was still some distancing in, uh, involved in terms of driver interactions and things of that nature. Um, there are still protocols being followed by the NHRA, and there are still things that are different from state to state. So. You know, things that are available in Florida may not be available in other places. When we go to Las Vegas in a few weeks, um, I have the ability, I have the, not the ability, I have the feeling 
that will have a crowd restriction on us there, uh, which will be, we had a very limited crowd restriction in Florida, obviously. Um, it may be a little bit more robust, that restriction in Vegas, and that's all going to play out over the next few weeks. So um, it still very much is a season that will be in some sort of transition for some of it, maybe most of it, who knows, really. It all depends on the reopening schedule, the places we're going. But uh, it is a season that we all approach with a very different mindset than we did in 2020. This is a season less about survival and more about celebration, and I think that's what we saw at Gainesville. We saw a celebration of people coming out and coming to the drag races for the first time in a long time. We saw a celebration of people making rookie starts, a celebration of veterans returning. Of course, John Force Racing, the huge story with he, Robert Hyde, and Brittany Force competing. Uh, Brittany was knocked out in the first round by Justin Ashley. Robert Hyde had a good run, made it to the final round, lost to J.R. Todd. John Force had mixed results. He went out uh, kind of mid-race, had struggle in qualifying, but again, uh, this is a team that was dormant for the majority of a year. They've come back with most of all the same pieces. There's been some changes on the crew side of things, and when you make changes to personnel, there is a learning curve. There is a learning period. So uh, we watched some of that learning period, but we also saw them come back out with incredibly capable cars that qualified Outside of John, he did qualify well once he got down in the third session, but, you know, Brittany and uh, Robert Height qualified looking just as though they had never, ever skipped a beat. So, uh, you know, between all the people coming back, the rookies starting, and then the action on Sunday, which saw this incredible story of Josh Hart earning his first top fuel win and his first top fuel start, uh, joining Daryl Russell, Gary Beck, and Gary Selzy is the only three people in NHRA history who have ever done such a thing. It was um, it was amazing. And uh, we all left on a very happy note on Sunday afternoon that, you know, yes, we had some broken race cars, but we had all of our drivers and people intact. We had a very happy crowd that was filing out after seeing a great day of competition. And uh, then we learned earlier this week that the ratings for the television show were immense. We averaged over a million people for the broadcast. We ended up at peak of 1.88, nearly 2 million people viewing uh, as we got to the final round of elimination. So um, nothing... Nothing makes anybody smile in any sort of venture, whether it's drag racing or business of any type, than having an opening style success. And that's what we had in Gainesville. And we look to carry that along with all the teams looking to carry their success or perhaps redeem themselves from not having success when we go to Las Vegas in a few weeks. So the good news is we get a few weeks to make some NHRA Insider Podcast to get you all caught up with everything that's going on. We'll talk to some of the people that are planning on making their debuts in Vegas. We'll catch up with some of the people that made their debuts in Gainesville and follow up on all the breaking news and stories of the sport as it really ramps back up to pace. I should mention as well the Pro Stock Motorcycle performance of Matt Smith running 200 miles an hour every single run with effectively no tailwind. Obviously, this 200-mile-an-hour club has taken some time, about about two years now plus, to fill because it is still a very tough thing to do, apparently, unless you're Matt Smith. A lot of the bikes, a lot of the riders still require a little push from a tailwind to get to that 200-mile-an-hour mark, and we saw that Matt Smith didn't need it. We saw that Angie Smith didn't need it. We saw that Hector Arana Jr. didn't need it, and we saw that Angel Sampe didn't need it either because all four of them ran 200 miles an hour over the course of the race, which was amazing. Angel sitting on top of a brand-new Vance and Hines-built motorcycle, its first professional outing, and uh, she was she was she lost in the second round to Scotty Polachek. She was 015 on the tree, and he was 002. And there is just some days when it's just not your day, and if you're 15 and the guy leaves on you, by 13 hun 
you got a problem. And it's not a problem you caused yourself. A 15 reaction time cannot be faulted by any thinking human being. Scotty Polichek's 002 is absolutely stunning. So that's a quick kind of my synopsis from my view out the tower window over the two weeks I spent in Gainesville. And uh, it really was great. A, a fantastic way to start the Camping World drag racing season. A great way to celebrate 52 years of running the Amelie Oil Gator Nationals. And with that, let's catch up with our first winner from those Amelie Oil NHRA Gator Nationals. Your funny car champion grabbing his first win in the first race of the 2021 season, J.R. Todd. How you doing, man? Good, Brian. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. I, I understand. I am like uh, I'm the caboose on the media day train here. <laughs> I wouldn't say you're the caboose. Like you're probably mid pack. But yeah, it's like it's awesome doing these media tours from uh, my couch or uh, my trophy room. It's it's pretty new, but it's it's cool. It's good, man. Hey, listen. Uh, congratulations on the win at the Gator Nationals. It was. Um, what an impressive day. I mean, it was just an impressive weekend. I think for the entire sport. But man, you guys really shined on Sunday. Yeah, it's it's funny, you know, starting out in testing in uh, West Palm, we didn't run all that well. We made some uh, some okay runs, then go to Gainesville and, and run there on Wednesday and made some decent runs, just kind of Todd and, and John was like, hey, we just need to go down the track and, and, you know, start from there. So we did that, and I think that kind of uh, helped ourselves there on, on Sunday. We, we qualified okay, just missed it on the hero run there uh, Saturday evening that which kind of bummed me out. I'm like, oh, man, here we go. Yeah. Missing our, our shot to uh, to throw down, but it, it definitely uh, it worked out on Sunday because, you know, those warm temperatures and warm track, it seems like that's when those guys shine for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it, it was an entertaining day as well. You know, it was like it required – you know, I think it required one of those, like, in drag racing, like a team-style win. You know, there were, there were rounds where the tune-up was absolutely perfect, and there were rounds, of course, in the final where you had to uh, you had to step up and kind of do what you could do behind the wheel. So, you know, there can't be a much more, I guess, satisfying Sunday to have where everybody feels like they contributed to, to pulling the weight. Yeah, absolutely. Trust me, I would much rather have a car that just goes out there and throws down and dominates uh, every round, but... But yeah, we were pretty consistent up there until uh, the final. I kind of feel like I wasn't really hitting the tree like I'd wanted to, but you know, at the end of the day, it, it worked out. And there in the final against Robert, when it blew the tires off, I'm like, oh man, here we go. Like, but I never saw him driving away, so it's like, all right, let this thing calm down and kind of crack the throttle a little bit, roll into it, and uh, once again, never saw him. Then you're just staring down that wind light, and when it came on, man, that was like instant relief. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, it was certainly a relief for you. Your team went nuts on the starting line. And, you know, I, I feel like um, I feel like last year frustrated you guys somewhat. You had a couple of final round appearances but didn't uh, didn't close the deal. So I guess let's talk a little bit about that in terms of, you know, when you have a season – and listen, last year was just off the wall for everybody. But when you have a season where, you know, things get frustrating versus one where you're coming off on a high note like this, it has to kind of make, make showing up to work a little bit more fun, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, 2020 definitely, uh, I don't know, it was definitely a, a low point, just everything that went on. Yeah. But uh, at the same point, there were some high points. You know, we go to the final round of the U.S. Nationals yep. and just came up a little short there, but still just not the year we expected. Uh, weren't really in the, the running for the championship, and, you know, DSR dominated the season. But, uh, but yeah, it was just a, a different year altogether just you couldn't wait for the, the the end of the season to come and just kind of hit the reset button for uh for 2021 and, and sure enough go to gainesville and win one of the biggest races of the year it's uh 
it's a pretty special feeling for sure, and hopefully we can, you know, ride that momentum into Vegas and just, uh, you know, when it's all said and done, be be in contention for a Cape World Championship there when it when it matters. Dude, busting the Don Schumacher streak has its own has to have its own satisfaction with it, just because you know they were it wasn't even 2020; they had started in 2019. They carried it all the way through last year, so to be the first guy to interrupt that is kind of a fun little thing to have in your back pocket. Yeah, you know what's funny is like someone had had brought that up after we won the the final there, and like that wasn't going through my mind at all. But but yeah, they like you said they kicked our butt going back to 2019. So I guess to, to be the first one to to win, uh, other than one of those guys, it's a it's a pretty special feeling. But at the same time, I mean, you got the the JFR juggernaut back. I mean, uh, Robert Hyatt there in the final round. They're definitely going to be uh, one of the teams to contend with, and then. You know, Cruz with uh, with his new team. That's basically, uh, you know, Tommy Johnson's, Tommy jo- car, yeah. Tommy Johnson's car with uh, with Cruz <laughs> driving it. So um, there's definitely some uh, some new contenders out there, and it's gonna be uh, gonna be an exciting year for sure. Yeah, I, I, I want to talk and get your opinion on that a little bit too. Obviously, um, you know, we all want need as many cars as we can have out there, and, and having John Force Racing back in is 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 big for so many reasons. But um, you know, taking him on in the final round, it's got to be it's kind of a neat thing, in my opinion. I'm not. I was not rooting against them to win the race or not, um, but I do feel like it was important that they didn't necessarily waltz back in and win the first race. <laughs> so you know, yeah, that's. I mean, I kind of felt the same way. It's like you know, the, the, they they take the year off and come back and win like it's nothing. Like we can't allow that. So there was definitely a, a cool feeling, and you know, I have the all the all the respect in the world for robert height and sure. those guys he and, and jimmy proc and, and chris and all of them i mean i feel like they uh they, they kind of set the mark for the rest of us in funny car to uh to strive for i mean they're always uh i feel like the the favorite when uh when they're running i mean robert i think is one of the best drivers uh in the sport and they're definitely uh the team to shoot for in, in funny car i mean they're always out there throwing down low et it seems like uh every race and going for the later rounds and for as long as I can remember, Robert's always in the running for the championship. So they uh, they definitely set the, the the benchmark for us, and to be able to knock them off in the final round, it just uh, it makes you feel like you really accomplished something. Yeah, and you were super complimentary about Robert in your in your final round interview. You, you you were happy that he was back. You said the same thing you just said that you feel like he's pretty much the standard when it comes to uh, you know what a driver is supposed to be and what they're supposed to do out here. So um, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty awesome. Now, dude, winner circle. You and I texted about this after the race, but champagne in the winner circle. How awesome is this? It's like it's like all of a sudden we're a real motorsport here. <laughs> it is definitely like a, a real motorsport. <laughs> I learned that I kind of need some moto goggles down there after uh, <laughs> after the race if we're going to celebrate like that because I got it sprayed down pretty good in the face and I couldn't see there for a couple minutes. But I'll take that pain any day of the week if that's a if that's what it takes to go out there and win one of these races. But but yeah, that was cool. That kind of reminded me, you know, celebrating Sonoma with a champagne and. I feel like that's uh, that's what our sport needs is to show that kind of uh, emotion from all the all the drivers. Yeah, and it's going to happen all year long. Corbell is sponsoring the champagne for the entire year at all the races, with the only caveat being if some kid like Mason McGahey wins, he doesn't get a bottle of champagne for obvious reasons. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like in, in my own you know selfish way, I think this is going to be cool because whether it's you or somebody else, somebody's going to pop out of their car and slap the goggles on that they have hidden under their fire suit. You know, it's going to happen. So, um, that, I think that's it's going to be great. That's a great idea, man. I'm not to talk to uh, you know our new sponsor, Fathead Sunglasses, about getting some goggles down there and 
and have them ready. But but no, I hope that I get that opportunity again to go down there and uh, you know spray some champagne because at the end of the day, that's uh, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. And I guess I want to talk to you just kind of looking forward when we go, you know, we go to Las Vegas. Thankfully, you know, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty. We didn't know if we were going to Vegas. We'd have to wait all the way to Atlanta. I'm certainly really glad we're going to Vegas because it would be a a damn long time if we had to wait all the way to Atlanta. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about that, man. You know, going to Vegas, uh, certainly a different program. We're going to jump right back into a four wide race for our second race back in the series. Uh, Just give me your thoughts there. Yeah, going back to a four wide, I always kind of, you know, play it off like I'm not a big fan, but I I can't do that just because of the success that we've had at that, that, (laughs) that track and the four wide event. And it's been a while since we've gone four wide. So that's, uh, that's pretty exciting. I mean, it's a bummer that, you know, Pomona got moved, but as long as that fits in somewhere in the schedule with fans and stands, I'm all for, you know, moving these races around and, uh, and making them happen. But but yeah, four weeks off or however long it is, it's going to be a, a long time. But I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to getting to Vegas and uh, hopefully we can uh, go three rounds out there and spray some more champagne and do some celebrating. Yeah, and you know, looking into the short term future, obviously Atlanta's going to uh, Atlanta appears to be in good shape. They moved that to May. Uh, Charlotte's uh, continues to increase capacities. Houston's in good shape. We can kind of go right down the list. And, you know, the rumor is Pomona's going to land somewhere in July, likely, uh, which would make sense kind of around our Western swing. So it could be a bit of a like a super Western swing this year, which I would not be opposed to. I love I love that section of our year. And if you add Southern California to a race in Northern California, Denver and Seattle, that would be a pretty bitchin' month. Yeah, I'm I'm all for a race as much as possible. So if Pomona, you know, the winter nationals falls in in the in the summertime, especially part of the western swing, like you said. I think that uh that'd be pretty cool. I'm a, I'm a big fan of going to Southern California. It just uh it's a cool feeling when you roll through the gate there there in Pomona, and just uh, it's one race that we need on the schedule. We need both of them on the Absolutely. schedule. So uh, hopefully we can make that happen. And uh, if it happens in you know July or whatever in the summer, like you said, it's going to be uh, hot and tricky there for sure. But uh, it'll it'll be fun. I can guarantee you that. So last question for you before I let you go. When are you guys going to pull the double up off, man? We've had we've had more than a dozen tries, and it just hasn't come together yet. It's got to happen sooner or later. Man, I know. I thought for sure that uh, that it was going to happen there uh, Sunday in Gainesville just because of the success that uh, yeah. that Draxer team has had there in the past, you know, with Richie. And then, uh, you know, Sean ran good there all weekend long qualifying, and uh, they had their act together on, on Sunday and just uh, – Man, I don't know why. It seems like we're cursed when it comes to doubling up. I mean, I've had opportunities to do it with Dell, with Doug, and just can't can't seem to uh, to pull it off. To where you know, in the past, the the DSR team seemed like they make it happen uh, like like it's nothing. I mean, even the the JFR team has done it. So we need to uh, to make it happen. And I guarantee you that that when it does happen, I don't know if whatever track or even the NHRA will be ready for the. The party that's going to happen at Coletta Motorsports, but it'll be awesome to uh, to be able to share that with uh, with Connie for sure. Absolutely, yeah, and that's I mean the thing I'm most looking forward to for that moment happening is just staring at his face. Is what his reaction to that will be will be uh, beyond priceless, and I know it's something that he certainly wants to see happen as well. So, hey man, congratulations! It was uh, just a killer race. You know, it was one of those weekends. I think that. I think all of us went in there knowing that we had to put our best foot forward on on every front, whether it was uh, you know you behind the seat with people from Toyota and other people in the house, whether it was us trying to put together a good TV show and run a good race. I think it was just I don't know it could if it could have gone a lot better than it did, you know. And it's a great thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it definitely worked out with uh, the Gators being the, the first event and being on Fox Network. It just uh, it was uh, an awesome way to, to pull it all together. And, you know, I've heard the, the numbers for the race on TV were, uh, were through the roof. So that's uh, that's what we need for this sport to grow. And, you know, with Canting World, and, you know, we got some new sponsors with uh, with Rowdy Energy coming on board. That They have a big uh, association with Camp World also. And I think that's the kind of things that need to happen to kind of, you know, get our sport through the – the next level for sure agree 100 percent. yeah you had like two million people watching you uh, kick some ass on sunday afternoon it's a pretty good thing yeah, absolutely <laughs> hey jared congratulations again thanks for spending some time and uh i hope your uh, living room media tour continues successfully <laughs> thanks a lot brian <laughs> yeah, i appreciate man. it see ya you can quite literally hear in his voice the happiness of J.R. Todd and the start that his DHL Toyota Camry Nitro Funny Car team have gotten off to in 2021. And, of course, he was one of many great stories at the Gator Nationals, but perhaps none greater than the story of Josh Hart, who, making his first top fuel start as a professional drag racer, has achieved the ultimate, a win at the Gator Nationals, the 52nd running of that historic race. And he, it was brought on by a conglomeration of things. One, his great driving a very experienced crew and very experienced and talented leadership in that crew of Ron Douglas. Ron Douglas serving as the crew chief for Josh Hart, the guy who masterminded the tune-ups that carried him to a good qualifying position and ultimately into the winner's circle on Sunday afternoon. We welcome now for the first time onto the NHRA Insider Podcast, the Gator Nationals top fuel winning crew chief, Ron Douglas. How you doing, Ron? Good, Brian. How are you, sir? Good, man. And, uh, you know, I guess we got to start this conversation about uh, the, the great weekend that your team had and... You know, Sunday I think was an interesting day for for a lot of reasons, but I want to I want to get your perspective on on your guys' performance. Uh, obviously, first round, you know, pedaled the race car. Uh, Josh did a great job driving it, but really rounds two, three, and four were very kind of systematic looking to me. So, can you walk us through a little bit of uh, of your prism of how you viewed Sunday, how it went for you? Yeah, I mean, I went up first round, uh, you know, being fairly aggressive. Um, and, you know, that clearly didn't work out, you know, for us, uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to get the round win, but, uh, it just kind of made me, uh, go back to the trailer and just kind of regroup. You know, we had smoked the tires on Q4 also, or, you know, the third last qualifying yes. session also, and, uh, smoking the tires twice in a row like that. I just said, uh, you know what, we need to regroup here and, and, uh, get back, get back to basics kind of. And, uh, I just put the thing in uh, in hot track mode, so to speak, and uh, you know the rest of it went pretty well. Yeah, I mean it repeated very nicely in the in the low eighties, and and you know varied only by a couple hundreds over the last three rounds of competition. So was it effectively the same tune up for three rounds, or was it effectively picking away at it a little bit for each of those three? No, it was, it was pretty much the same. Uh, you know, we always do you know small adjustments yeah. as the track temperature increases and things like that, but. This would be a great opportunity for me to just say that, you know, the crew, you know, putting a car together the same every time and having the parts prepared as well as they do is 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 a paramount to having it be able to be repeatable like it was. So hats off to the team and uh, and the driver. You know, and speaking of that crew, uh, this is a group of guys that um, that you have uh, very close to your heart, right? I mean, these these are not uh, some random hires. Everyone that's on this crew is somebody that you have worked with and, and have really selected to do their job, right? Yeah, yeah, they, they're uh, they're guys I've worked with in the past, um, and and you know what makes it kind of unique is, you know, right now I'm the only guy on the payroll, so to speak. Like those guys sure. are all back at their normal jobs you know, normal lives. They, you know, they're spread all over the country and, 
you know, when it comes race time, then we get them in there for the weekend and, and they, they do their job. You know, they're as, they're as good a team out there. It's just that during the week they have regular jobs, you know, so it's, uh, they're fantastic. They really are. Yeah, and it's uh, we, we've talked about this a lot, kind of over the course of time on the show and everything else. But it's like you can have it's like a it's like being a chef. You know, you, you're you're coming up with a recipe, but unless you have people uh, in the kitchen that can actually execute the dish, it's, it's worthless, right? So you know, when it comes back to being able to make that car repeat like it did three times in a row, it's it's effectively them being flawless, and it's amazing to watch. Yeah, uh, flawless is a good word for those guys, and I appreciate you throwing that out there because I don't want to I don't want to uh, gush too much about them. They'll get big heads, you know. But uh, <laughs> no, they, they they really are great, uh, you know. And uh, yeah, I really can't say enough about them. We're just looking forward to working together again in Atlanta. It is, um, you know, it's funny because it's it's two sides of the same coin when we talk about this victory because it is on one hand incredible that it's, it's Josh's first start as a top fuel racer, but on the other hand maybe we should have seen it coming. I mean, this is a guy who's won the U.S. Nationals multiple times. Obviously, you have stacked up dozens and dozens of national event wins in your career as a as a crew chief for some of the, the biggest, most successful teams in the history of the sport. So I guess from, from the Ron Douglas perspective or even from the team perspective, do we make too big a deal out of the fact that this was, you know, Josh's first start? Should we have not made that big a deal out of it? Because in retrospect, I'm thinking maybe we blew this out of proportion. I don't know. Well, you know what? We're not going to blow it out of proportion on our end because you know that i don't want to be cliche but we went there to win yeah you know and and uh you know they from my standpoint like what we had was was uh the team that i'm used to a race car that i'm used to and we just had a different driver and uh you know he showed us and everybody that he's more than capable so yeah it was uh it really wasn't much different to any of us other than we had you know a different guy sitting in the seat yeah, it uh, it is, and from a you know perspective of the guy being local to the racetrack, and you know adding his name to a very short list of people who have ever won their first you know professional level start, it had it added to me anyway, and I think to a lot of people, it added this over the top element to a race that really was already pretty spectacular. I mean, it was it certainly felt a lot like a real national event as opposed to you know us just trying to survive through the course of twenty twenty like last year was. Yeah, it did, it did have more of a normal feel to it. And, and you know, you, you bring up the point of, of Josh being local to that area. Uh, before the semifinals, I was out by the race car, and I looked up, and, there, you know, Don Garlitz is standing there talking to Josh. So it's like it's a real reminder of where we were in the country, you know, yeah, which, made it, which made it extra cool. Oh, no, it's spectacular. And it's like it's having, like having the Pope come over and bless your, <laughs> bless your stuff. Yeah, it really yeah, exactly. is awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, about why this is a, a good fit for you, why this is a good fit for Josh. You know, to me, Josh is a really impressive guy. I had him on this show a few weeks ago and, you know, he's, he's done this, at least in my estimation, the right way. He's, he's not waded in too quickly. He certainly has a vision of where he wants his program and his team to be. Why is this a good fit for you as well? Well, just that he, you know, he, he's, uh, He's got the resources and the backing and, and, a, and a vision of, like you said, of what he expects this to look like. He doesn't think it's going to be there overnight, which, uh, you, you know, but yeah, it's it's what he wants to build and having the ability to uh, to move forward and do things on, on a top notch level. You know, that's been very, uh, you know, it's just good to see him, you know, have that vision and, and let us execute it. 
Yeah, and and he often references the Torrance team, which which is obviously a great model to follow, which is obviously uh, something that everybody in this sport's been trying to emulate and or beat over the last couple of years, and most of the time unsuccessfully. I think it is... To me, I look at the the future, the direction of the top fuel. I look at the direction of fuel racing going down the road, and I don't think it can be denied that this model that now Josh is working on, kind of building up to what the Torrances have, and and this kind of generalized approach really is the way ahead. I, I you know I have nothing against the massive teams out there, and certainly Don Schumacher Racing and and Coletta Motorsports and John Force Racing have done incredible things over the years. But when I look at what the next five to ten years looks like, to me. It looks like a lot more Josh Hart's as opposed to a lot more of those big teams. Well, yeah, you know what what it does for 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 me, uh, you know, personally from my standpoint, is it gives me the ability to focus simply on you know one car, one you know one road to go down, and uh, you know the bigger teams, you know that you mentioned the multi car teams, they have fantastic resources and a lot of help, you know, within the organization for themselves, but also it can, you know, from time to time get a little distracting you can veer off course you know and you know for us and the way that i like to operate just the simplicity of you know focusing on one car one team and and just you know narrowing in on that has been beneficial for us so far yeah, it certainly looks like it. And obviously, you said you have familiarity with the components being used and and the uh, the parts and pieces. Now, my understanding is that was not the the chassis. That, uh, I'm sorry, that was not the chassis that Jordan Vandergriff had raced in the in the past. Is that correct? The chassis that you guys are using? Yeah, that that's correct. So, you know, I just would like to maybe uh, you know bring up Bob Vandergriff sure. and all of this because you know Josh bought that operation from from Bob Vandergriff, who clear, you know obviously I'd worked for for the last five years and. Um, you know, so those components and all that is stuff that I was very familiar with, which, you know, narrowed our learning curve up a lot. That particular chassis is one that, uh, you know, Sean Reed drove okay. some races for for, uh, for us at BVR last year. And oh, I'm sorry, in uh, 2019. So that's the chassis that he had driven. It's it's a uh, freshly front and back have from uh, the, the fine people at Morgan Lucas uh, fabrication nice. here in Brownsburg. And, uh, so it's a nice unit, man. It's a nice car. It's got, you know, it's got good stuff on it. And, um, yeah, that's, that's been paramount to our early success is the familiarity. When, when you look back over your career and, and obviously a career that continues to, to garner you success and the people you work with success, I'm interested in, in some of the lessons that you're able to take with the people you worked with. You know, you worked very closely with Dick LaHaye. You know, for instance, when you, is there anything that you do in your job today or your, the way you approach your job today that, that you take from those those days working with a guy like Dick LaHaye? And if so, what is it? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. One thing that pops in, into my head is not a very uh, exciting racing kind of a story, but <laughs> there, there's a, there's a, a gentleman, uh, you know, that, that helps our team. His name is Doug Wilson, and uh, he, he works – he does a lot of different things, you know, on the car and around the car, uh, not, not the least of which is our tires – but he also takes really good care of the equipment. Like he's the truck and trailer generator, you know, maintenance gotcha. guy. And I put a premium on that because of something Dick LaHaye taught me way back. He said, everybody wants to win the race, but you can't win if you don't get there, which was a lesson in take care of your equipment, you know, take care of the trailer, make sure it's all maintained so you don't have problems on the road and get stuck somewhere. And, and that's uh that that's one thing that you know that Dick brought up. And but you know I've worked with so many great guys, um, you know Jim Brissett, Ed McCulloch, Coyle, Bernie, Madeline, Jimmy. You know, 
uh, Dickie Venables. There's just been so many guys, you know, that I've had the the uh, pleasure of working with over the years that, you know, you try to take a little bit of, of something from everybody and, and hopefully I can pass a little of that on to others, you know, as, as I'm continuing this and, you know, you just try to make a difference. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, what is so interesting to me is like each one of those guys you mentioned, uh, different personality types, different approaches, and yet all winners in their own right, which is, I think at the end of the day, it's a very fascinating thing about, about drag racing, especially when we talk about, you know, Nitro Funny Car, Top Fuel, where, you know, you, you can really look at things from 180 degrees out from another guy and yet still be successful. And I think that's a really, really interesting part of our sport. Yeah, you just have to, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta take a little from everybody, you know, and, and find out what works for you, you know, and and uh, you know that's just what I'm trying to do, and and I still think about stuff all the time that, like, you know, maybe Brissette told me once a long time ago when we were at Herbert's together, or, or just little little bits of wisdom that you know you think about, and you're like, yeah, that still works, you know. <laughs> That's great, man. And I guess uh, you know I'm I'm interested. And in, you mentioned uh, getting to Atlanta. What uh, what's kind of the the overriding view of the 2021 season for uh, for this operation? Uh, well, Josh has handpicked some some events that uh, you know we're gonna uh, you know those are on our schedule, and you know we'll we'll uh, be uh, have the availability or the ability to pivot a little if need be, okay, and uh, make some changes. But uh, you know, right now we're just. Uh, hyper focused on on getting the car serviced getting all the parts and pieces put back together getting new stuff ordered and uh being ready to go you know when it's time well man i appreciate you taking the time ron it was uh it was a great day for for your team it was a great day for i think the entire sport on on sunday we had a massive television audience watching uh you know about two million people were watching josh collect his first win and i think if josh had thought about that the 26 light may have been distracting but he wasn't distracted at all he crushed it in the final round and uh certainly the place went crazy for the hometown guy so it was a really really neat way to to finish the race and i congratulate you and the entire team yeah, thank you. And yeah, I do want to say I've taken uh, lately, I've, I've come to calling him the kid. I don't know why, but yeah, the kid did a great <laughs> job driving the car. And uh, listen, I'd be remiss if I don't get to mention, I don't talk too much, but I have to thank sure. my right hand man, Dave Datterill. Uh He's been down you know, in Florida with me most of the winter getting this stuff put together. Uh, he's fantastic. And then I got to say hi to Phil Hartman, Chris McNichol, Matt Madden, Scott Seizing, John Ferguson, Jason Van. I mentioned Doug Wilson and Chris Heggie also. Thanks to you guys. You guys make me look good. Well, that's awesome, man. And listen, the uh, the sign of good leadership is certainly uh, knowing and uh, appreciating the people that work for you. And uh, you got a you got an incredibly loyal and talented crew there. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys at Atlanta, man. It's uh, mixing it up again with everybody else. I can't wait to see what's next. Okay, Brian. Thanks, man. Thanks, Ron. So if you did not know Ron Douglas, now you do. Great guy and a great crew chief and somebody that has uh, a lot of amazing runs and a lot of amazing weekends left in this sport. And it seems as though he and Josh Hart really do have a unique and awesome bond together. They have a good vision of what this team's going to look like going forward. And I, for one, cannot wait to see what type of success they are can continually able to drum up out there and how they are able to uh, make themselves a factor going down the road here in the world of NHRA Camping World Drag Racing. Thanks for listening to this return episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast after the NHRA Amelio Gator Nationals. It was great. We will continue telling Gator Nationals stories and we'll open up the floor a little bit over the next couple of weeks as we prepare to go four-wide drag racing for the first time in a long time at the Strip at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. It is going to be great. Make sure you go and visit any of your local NHRA-sanctioned drag strips if they are open this time of the year. 
tracks around the country. Some of them, of course, in the northern climate still locked up, but a lot of the racetracks down in the uh, in the southern part of the country open and running for business, whether it's testing two-night or anything else, showing up and hanging out at your local NHRA-sanctioned drag strip is always a great idea to help support the grassroots level of the sport. Also, the NHRA Division 7 regional event will be broadcast live on NHRA.tv this weekend, so you can tune into NHRA.tv and watch some Division 7 or Western Regional action with alcohol cars and all the rest out at the Strip at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Alan Reinhardt will be on hand to call the action, and you can tune in all weekend long for free on NHRA.tv thanks to great sponsors like Summit, like Jegs, like Weldon Pumps, and like our friends at Strange Engineering. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. I'm Brian Loans, and I will be back next week with more stories from the inside of the NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series. 